Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor at Emerge. You'll be hearing Daniel Fagella, Emerge CEO and Head of Research, conducting today's podcast. Today's guest is Supreet Kaur, Assistant Vice President at Morgan Stanley. She's spent the last five years working in data spaces across financial services and life sciences, along with essential advocacy work in mentoring a diverse next generation of data science leaders. In conversation with Emerge CEO Daniel Fagella, Supreet tells business leaders three metrics they need to measure their enterprise AI success and where that fits in the scope of her experience. I would especially key into what Supreet has to say in her first answer about assessment and personnel. But without further ado, here's their conversation. So, Supreet, welcome back to the program. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me again. Hello, everyone. (laughs) So today we're going to be able to dive into a different topic. We're talking about the uses of data in compliance the first time we chatted. And today we're talking about enterprise AI teams. You have experience in startups, in academia, now within a very large enterprise. When you think about how an enterprise AI team should measure its success or how a smart enterprise would think about measuring the success of its AI teams, what would those parameters be? Like, hey, they're doing well if X, you know, what are those things for you? So I think there are two or three components that I would like to touch upon here. The first thing is that any company who wants to be an AI-driven, a data-driven company or a team, you need to measure and assess the time it's taking from a minimum viable product to productionizing some of those things, right? You, we have heard the, again, the alarming statistics that only 10% of the models make it to production. So if that is your AI team, there's certainly an assessment that's needed that why am I not able to make it to production? There could be multiple reasons for that. What's the data that you're using in your product? Is it the accuracy? Is it the compliance? you know, what is happening. So definitely an assessment is needed for you to get out of your Jupyter notebooks and get to the productionization of the model. The second component is the right set of people. Because again, as we've already spoken about, that AI is a very collaborative process and for an AI product to succeed, you need different heads in the game. You need all the different perspective. You need data strategists. You need data scientists. You need MLOps engineer to monitor your model. And then also you need the business SMEs to provide you some insights so that you can take that feedback, tweak your model, come back and improve it. So that's the second point. And the third one, as I already touched upon, the MLOps piece is that you need to have those monitoring frameworks that can check how is your model performing over time so that it'll check the drift and as well how is it adopting to the changing data because data will change instantly (laughs) and how is your is your model able to adopt to those changing data sets would be my third advice got it got it so and it kind of seems like certainly the diversity on the team being able to have multiple perspectives would allow such a team to succeed. If I'm clarifying here, just from from what you're outlining, in terms of how success might be measured, there is a measure of both, number one, 
how quickly can we take a strong business idea and build something out to test it? You know, does it take us nine months to come up with a tiny MVP for some little use case somewhere? Or are we able to iterate relatively quickly and get an MVP? That that's one thing. Second thing is when we actually deploy something, are we able to maintain it and see it through to actually adding value? Or does it fizzle away in the pan and really not stick with long-term value? So it's almost how quickly can we test and then how much value can we add? Do you see enterprises currently knowing that those are the parameters by which they should measure an AI team? Or do you see enterprises today maybe not knowing how to measure them well or measuring them by totally different criteria? Like how much money are you making based on what I invested in you, you know, three months later, you know, some, some unrealistic financial ROI. How are enterprises measuring teams compared to the parameters you just outlined? Yeah, I think some of the AI organizations, or I would say some of the organizations in general who are heading in this direction are taking this very seriously, that we are investing so many resources, we build all those AI models, but somewhere deep down the line, maybe one year or two years, it doesn't give us that value that it's supposed to give, right? So everyone is kind of I think everyone is, you know, steering in that, steering the conversation in the direction. Okay, again, what kind of frameworks do we have in place? How often do we meet to assess, right? Like whether this use case is even relevant, honestly. And if you have an AI product that is in place, how dynamic it is. So some of the executives that I meet in conferences and all the other things that I do, they're definitely taking this seriously and thinking about strategies along those lines. Got it. You know, we've certainly heard a lot in our various interviews from the startup world to the AI team leader world to just general executives within, you know, larger organizations that there is a tendency for anything to do with AI to really be pretty well governed by finance, particularly in financial services, where we're going to invest X dollars and it's like, hey, what's the incremental you know, return we'll see on this in in sort of six months. And that sometimes that stulted, more IT traditional kind of measure of success hasn't really allowed for experimentation, hasn't really taken into consideration this MVP generation element and the longer term maintenance of AI and some of the realities of AI that they've been, been measured by criteria that actually make it kind of hard to do AI, so to speak. Have you seen some of that in bigger enterprises? And have, have there been any sort of insights around kind of overcoming that? Because I know those, those cultural things, at least from what we've heard a hundred times, have in some ways held some teams back. I think that's a valid challenge, I would say. Some of the things that can be done from, again, my research and conversations, it's, do you have a baseline, you know, against what you're measuring your AI model? So you had a non-AI world, now you have an AI world, you have that product, you know, is there a baseline that you're kind of comparing it against? And you need to consider both the factors in mind, right? One is your IT, IT metric. So this is the accuracy. This is how it's doing from a technical standpoint. And the other is just the business ROI, right? What's the rate of investment? How has my prediction and responses improved over time? How are my consumers engaging with me? How has that engagement increased or decreased over time? And you need to keep, again, monitoring, innovating, based on all that feedback and you need to be able to accommodate that feedback. I think that's kind of the missing piece in the puzzle. I hope leadership's tuned in because I know sometimes the 
the leaders of the AI teams will understand the dynamic that you and I are talking about. But the person that's funding it, you know, whatever director is saying, okay, we'll do this project, they might not grasp this as much. But this is one of the many reasons why we record our episodes is hopefully, <laughs> hopefully bring these realities to the relevant stakeholders that need to sort of grasp these, the, these realities and differences of AI and IT. Before we wrap up today, I know, you know, you were also kind of touching a bit on some of the components that a high-performing AI team has in common. So we've established, can we iterate and come up with potential viable solutions for real business problems quickly? Like, are we actually nimble? That's one. Number two, when we move stuff in to deployment, does it stick around? Does it have value? Okay, those are really nice barometers for us as an AI team or, or executive leadership to pay attention to. And obviously, if we have certain things in common within our AI team, we're more likely to deliver on that. One of them you had mentioned was kind of diversity of the team, you know, having different perspectives. We might go into kind of who those different groups are. But I'd also like to know maybe any other components of what about an AI team could be the way they speak to their management. It could be the tools that they're given access to. It could be anything that makes them more likely to succeed by those measures that you've outlined. We've got iteration, speed, and value we can add. What are the things about a team that make them more likely to do those two? There is also a kind of, I would say, a security that you need for failure when you're working on an AI project, right? Your senior leadership has to be fine with a possibility that the product might not work. So having that thick skin and that cannot be implemented on, I would say, on a data science or practitioner level, right? That has to come from a senior leadership that we are providing you that space and we are okay if this product doesn't work, but it's worth trying. So having sort of that thick skin is also important because that will allow and empower your team members to innovate, but at the same time, learn from that and then you know, fail and then adopt to the newer technologies based on what they learned from that. That is also another important factor in ensuring the success for the team. Big time. And maybe we can close out talking a little bit about what it means to encourage that experimentation mindset. You know, it's been said many times in the last half a decade here on the show, AI is not IT. You know, AI is probabilistic, not deterministic, right? And and that's a very big difference. We would think, okay, we're going to spend X amount, you're going to make 5% more, and then we're going to be done with it. But really, yeah. there's this iterative loop. We've had some leaders who've suggested things like, hey, we need to we need to have an understanding between the team and leadership that we have a portfolio approach. We're going to have a set of problems. We're going to have multiple approaches and we're going to understand that just like a venture capitalist, we're going to put money in different buckets and yeah. it's about being able to be willing to experiment. So some people have advocated that as a strategy. Some people have advocated, make sure, you know, within this kind of has to happen at the upper echelons of a company, but make sure whoever's steering AI projects understands what makes them different from AI. And of course, when you're working underneath somebody like that, you probably don't get to pick who your boss is. So unfortunately, <laughs> they may have no idea what the difference between AI and IT, and you may just have to live with that. But are, are there any little bits of advice in parting here around encouraging that mindset of experimentation? It is so new and different compared to IT, as you know, and there's a lot of friction that comes up from that. We've got, yeah. you know, a measure of success. We've got diverse people. We know we need an experimentative culture here. 
anything at all that people can do bottoms up to encourage that and allow that that mentality to thrive. Yeah, I would say Dr. Morgan Stanley leaders, they are doing a good job in that. Oh, good. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> That's kind of the first thing, you know, I and I feel like any company that has grown substantially in terms of technology already has these things in place, right? And it's just about reiterating it, reiterating it to your, the people that report you, you know, on an immediate level, but it might be our skip or whoever it is, right? If they kind of reiterate that, how they treat you when you make a mistake, right? And all of those things kind of empower people if if something didn't work you know what was their reactions and and that's how you develop that psychology okay is this culture right for me or is this culture not right for me and yeah i think i think that's and some of the things we've already discussed so i would yeah, say that that's yeah yeah okay well i really it's a salient point it, it i i often say a lot of this stuff has to start at the top and yeah. you know in terms of how uh, it sounds like a very big center of the pace when it comes to our experimentive culture is not how we talk about it or how many projects we're experimenting with, but how are people treated when experiments work out well or not well or what have you. And at the end of the day, that's going to be almost like the shock treatment, the Pavlov dog treatment that allows us to know, hey, this is, an, this is a place where we can experiment or we can't. So it sounds like leadership should understand, say what you'd like, experiment in whatever way you'd like, but how people are treated in that process of experimentation, which can be messy, is really what tells them it's okay to experiment or it's not. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a lesson for the top. Some of you who are tuned in are certainly steering those higher level projects or maybe have some sway in who you want to work under as a director. It seems like this is a nice barometer to use to figure out how well experimentation is actually going to be digested by those leaders. And Supreet, I know that's all we had for time on this episode, but I appreciate you being able to break down some of your thoughts here. This has been more than helpful. Thank you again. Thank you. Wrapping up today's episode, I think what Supreet was saying just at the end there about how AI adoption teams typically view product failures versus how business leadership typically views these things is very important. And also worth noting in mind the investor mindset that leadership needs, as we discussed in our podcast with Dan Diazio of Ernst & Young that also ran this month on the AI and Business podcast. The I in ROI is very important, as much as the return, of course. The investment side of the table knows the risk involved, maybe knows better than any side of the table that not every lead is going to turn into a sale, not every experiment is going to succeed. And we need to tap into and accept that experimental nature to succeed in AI, which I think Supreet really spelled out in today's episode. On behalf of the entire team here at Emerge, I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor. Thanks so much for being with us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. Podcast.